Superkicks.com offers cool streetwear and apparel at great prices. Shipping worldwide, thanks to the guys at Superkicks, you can get 10% off your order by using the code SWN at the checkout. That's Superkicks.com, pro wrestling apparel. Welcome to another edition of the SWN Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Billy, as always. Um, just to, to peel back behind the curtain, this is the first podcast I'm recording in 2021. Uh, this is the 1st of January. Uh, my guest has is, is been very kind to, to possibly not have a couple of drinks last night and uh, is, is wide awake and ready to go uh, for our first show of 2021. So this is like February now uh, to, to those that are actually listening. Um, I am joined this week by a veteran in British wrestling, uh, Shady Natras. Welcome to the show. Okay. Pleased to be on. Uh, hope uh, you enjoyed your new year. Uh, it was very quiet. <laughs> that, that was about it. Uh, I've, got, I've got a dog, so we're always afraid of fireworks. But uh, thankfully, it was only one or two uh, idiots out doing that this year. Um, for those that are watching the video feed for the first time, you'll see that I'm actually on like a host side of the screen because I didn't know you could just drag the thing over. <laughs> So before I thought I just felt weird being on the like the other side, thinking oh, I look like the guest. But anyway, this is this is all uh, not important stuff. Thank you for joining me. First question is always, how did you get into pro wrestling? Um, well, uh, I probably became a fan in '92, um, and it was. You know what I mean? Most people didn't really have Sky back then, um, so there was the. WCW on ITV in the middle of the night on the, I think it was a Saturday night maybe. Um, and yeah, that just kind of snowballed from there. I got into uh, watching your WWF stuff and then by 99, I, myself and my three brothers all kind of, we found a school and uh, it was like diving there rather than uh, fighting each other in our house. <laughs> So ninety two, so that would have been well. I ninety two WCW. I've told, I've I've very little information on that on top of my head. But ninety two WWF, I'm more in tune with. So who are your favourites growing up then? Um, I liked people like Mister Perfect and uh, Mydinetti, and more like faster paced or wrestlers rather than your your Hulk Hogan's and people like that. But yeah, as I said, I don't, I didn't really follow the glitz and glamour at the top of the card. I always uh, liked the proper wrestling matches. Yeah, like your intercontinental title yeah. level, because um, that was the, that was the uh, well known as being like the workhorse title. That was the one. That's where your wrestlers were and your showmen were the, were at the yeah. top of the card, making the selling the tickets. Uh, but yeah. the, the wrestlers in the intercontinental title picture were actually providing the show kind of thing. Um, okay, so 1999. Uh, so that's probably bang in the middle of that actually era. Was that, was that kind of your, your push forward to actually going to train? Uh, or was it just a case of you've destroyed enough things in the house? <laughs> you've got to go and, well, and get out of your by, system somewhere else. By 99, we'd kind of started accumulating our the start of our VHS tape uh, collection and we uh, we'd started getting our independent shows and Japanese shows and we we were kind of fully emerged in in the wrestling business by that point we were just desperate to get started and yeah we uh, found in a magazine there was a, a wrestling school in Blackpool and it was like the only other one we had heard of was Hammerlock and that was all the way down in Kent so Kent to Carlisle was a bit too long distance for us, but Blackpool was uh, accessible enough for us. So it was, we, we dived in there and kind of got a bit fleeced, to be honest. But it was, uh, it got us started. So. so so how, I mean, my geography is absolutely awful, but how, how far away would Blackpool be from Carlisle? Uh, about an hour and a half. All right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's in this 
uh, in my own head, then that's that's here to Aberdeen. Then so that's that's, that's more than doable then for for trade. So you said you you felt a bit fleeced. Was it very very basic, or was it even less than basic trading you got? <laughs> less than that. Um, well, we paid. I think we paid two hundred pound signing up fee, which we'd we'd read about uh, schools in America, and they'd they they often had a signing up fee. So we weren't too put out by that, but um, we turned up and it was in a boxing ring. Um, uh, I think we the, the lessons were an hour and a half and it was £20 a lesson. And after about five or six weeks, he pretty much just ended up uh, opening the door, letting us in and use the ring. And then he'd come back and lock up. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, and, and that that first five weeks then was was pretty much just bump, and that was yeah, about it. And then just just go right, learned, figure it out yourself. Yeah. Learned learned the basics, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. So yeah. how how what was it like going from? I mean, I know uh, well. You said you, you and your brothers uh, all all destroyed everything. Uh, I was I was the same, but I was like me and my mates in in uh, school gardens whatever we could grass mainly yeah. uh so so what was it like going from the gardens the, the in the house to actually taking your first bump um, it, it it wasn't too bad because um my two older brothers have had done judo for years so i kind of had an idea about break falls and and landing um but it was yeah we it wasn't too bad, but I feel them more now when uh, when I wrestle rather than back then. <laughs> so, so nineteen eighty nine. So, when did you actually have your first match? Uh, it was two thousand and one, because okay. we, um, when we went, it got to a point after I don't know how long, um, where we turned up for the training and he just wasn't there. So that was <laughs> that was the end of that. Um, and then we moved on to uh, what was called GBH at the time, and that was down in Stoke, and that was that's like a three-hour drive, okay. and that was um, say five hours training on mats. Uh, we did an occasional day where we'd use the ring, um, and yeah, that was that was where we had our first match. It was uh, for them, and that was that was. Uh, interesting, shall we say, because we still didn't, we still didn't know how how well the matches were to be worked. If you know what I mean, mm. um, we kind of got told, "Hey, you're having this match." There you go. <laughs> so we did, we didn't know about uh, like uh, match times and things like that. Which, like, when I know a target we. When we have training, uh, we kind of teach our trainees about, okay, you should be aiming for, I don't know, 10 minutes or whatever. So at least you have an idea. But yeah, we just kind of got thrown in the deep end and here you have, have, a, have your match. But, so was that in front of a crowd or was it just my friends and family kind of thing? Um, from anyone. It was, um, yeah, we because we had, we had the match. Um, and as I say, Normally, the the promoter would tell you how long your match was to be on for, and he, we didn't get any of that. So yeah, it was it was it was interesting, but um, we made it through all safe and uh, got started. So, so the ball rolling. So we went from there, and I just I just went on to cage match very quickly yesterday, and thought right, I'll write down some of the names that you've you've faced over the years, and so we'll try and pick out a couple of them as we go, uh, and then my list just kept getting bigger and bigger. So, uh, just off top, for anyone listening, I had Al Snow, Chris Sabin, Paul London, Killian Dane, Pete Williams, Paul Birchall, Doug Williams, Jodie Fleisch, Johnny Storm, Angelico, Ricochet, Kaylee Ray, Jeff Cobb, Rick, uh, Roderick Strong. Yep. There's a ton more that I have not <laughs> mentioned. Uh, Jay Lethal was, was, I've actually got a separate note, which we'll get to. Um, but I also noticed that you you also have a lot of tag team matches 
as far back as Cage Match went, which was yeah. 2003, I think was your first match, according to the Germans, yeah. uh, was part of the Natras boys. So she was yeah. one of your brothers, uh, Jane Natras. So how was it like um, teaming with your brother or was that kind of like the like Edge and Christian was your dream always win tag team titles? Was that always a kind of thought in the back um, of your mind? Well, because there was, there was uh, initially there was the three of us trained. There was myself, uh, my brother Jay, and my brother XL. And it, depending on what company we're in, we kind of rotated as to who was a singles wrestler and who was tagging. So there'd be times where uh, I'd be tagging with Jay and XL would be having a singles run. Or there'd be times when I'd be on my own and it would be Jay and XL tagging. Uh, so yeah, it was all just we just wanted to wrestle. We didn't really <laughs> plan that far ahead. Uh, it was British wrestling was still in um, a dark day. It was still uh, not not such a big uh, scene as it is now. Um, so it was a case of let's just see where we can go. Were, were you ever pulled in on the tribute shows? Were you not part of the, the American wrestling tribute? Yeah, you weren't. No. You weren't uh, I'm, pleased, I'm pleased that we weren't. I'm trying, trying to think any of the names uh, of, of them, but uh, De Degenerate X uh, and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> I, think, I think we once, I think we did one show with the UK Undertaker, and that was an All Star show. Um, and I think that was that was the only one that we've done. Uh, so was, was I, I, I've only ever heard the name UK Undertaker. I've never actually seen what UK Undertaker looks like at this stage. So did he look anything like Undertaker? Or am I just yeah. just, just a, a guy it, with long hair? Well, to, to put it into, into current terms, it would be like if you ordered uh, Undertaker from Wish. Ah, okay, I'm with you. <laughs> That's fine. All right, so out of that list of, of guys are just of all the, the big American names you faced, who was your first one? if you remember. And, um, the first one I faced was Pete Williams, and that was for WZW um, over in the northeast of England. So where, when about would that have been? 2005, I think that was. Oh, so this was peak like, TNA. This was uh, yeah. peak uh, uh, Pete Williams uh, as well. So did you end up taking him to K Destroyer? Yeah, of course I did. Of course, yeah. of course. It's, it's one, of, one of my favourite moves to take. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of taking that move. So I'll, uh, any any time I can uh, bring that into a match, I'm uh, more than happy to. Uh, so, so what was it like going into the ring with someone like, well, like say, 2005, TNA would do big, big, uh, big business and they had the wrestling channel and everything on, on. That's when I was watching it. So what was it like going in the ring with someone of an international? reputation and talent like Pete Williams? Um, to be honest, it was pretty nerve-wracking. Uh, it was... I yeah, I often put a lot of pressure on myself at the best of times, just because I want to do a good job. Um, but yeah, the extra, the extra pressure of it being a, an international name uh, added to it. But um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was, it, it was a good little match, I think. Uh, Especially for the time, I think we, we did everything we needed to do. Excellent. So, did you find, uh, did, were you one of the founders of Target Wrestling? Was, was that something that... that... Um, yeah, well, it's... Uh, my, my brother's in charge of it, Jay. Um, and that came from... We, we were running shows as triple team promotions. And then we kind of progressed that into Target Wrestling. And kind of got a rebrand and uh, a bit of a push there. That makes sense now because I saw a lot of triple triple team promotions before. And then it, yeah. it just became Target uh, when I was looking looking through the old cage match. Um, so, like I said, going through this list of, of people that you you faced, we'll get back to Target. Um, and this podcast just jumps all over the place. <laughs> but we'll get back there, um, along with with your pro wrestling is real life CDs as well. Uh, one of the names that you, you bring up quite a lot on, on Twitter as, as being one of your favourite opponents is Paul London, uh, which would have been in Target Wrestling as well. So what was it like going and, again, meeting Paul and and he's got his big reputation just for just being nice. Uh, so what was it like um, facing Paul and uh, just his relationship with yourself and Target? 
Um, like Paul, Paul's genuinely like one of my best friends now, and that's like, you know what I mean, for somebody that's born and raised in Carlisle, uh, wrestling fan for so long, to to have that's pretty cool for for me. Um, and as far as the match, uh, about say two weeks beforehand, I had I had suffered badly from glandular fever. And I was like bedridden for days with stupidly high fever. Um, when we started, when we started the match, I took. Uh, I think he did like a baseball slide, and I'm I'm lying on the floor on the outside of the ring. My chest's on fire, and like it's going through my head. I'm thinking, I can't, I can't finish this. Um, but we kept going, um, and then he did uh, a slingshot. Uh, Oklahoma roll and drove his shoulder into my elbow and I thought I had broke my arm so so it was uh, it was a fun-filled match and uh, I was able to carry on and it just kind of settled and we just finished it and the, I think the chemistry between us just was off the charts like the he cut a promo afterwards and like to be honest, I was nearly in tears. It was just, yeah, I kind of thought, I kind of get wrestling a bit more now, which that was like 14 years in. <laughs> so it's one of, those, one of those things where you just learn every day. I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm from the outside looking in and I'm still finding things out and and, and, that, and I'm not even actually doing the wrestling. I'm just, just speaking about it, uh, which is often safer, uh, I, <laughs> I would think. Uh, so Paul London, uh, another one that, that you've, mentioned that he would love to face again would be Chris Saban. Um, I, get, I mean, a lot of the guys, these names that, that I'm picking out here, they've done, well, done amazingly, but a lot of uh, TNA names like Chris Saban, um, like Doug Williams, he had a, a good run TNA and uh, and Roderick Strong as well being another. Um, were you a big, T are you, or were you a big TNA fan round about then as well? It was this kind of just mind blowing to think you were facing these guys? Well, yeah, like I, I kind of just followed any good wrestling, and yeah, TNA and and Ring of Honor as well. The, I kind of had a little run where it seemed like I was facing a few that had worked there. Um, a Lucha Underground, I had a few from Lucha Underground, which kind of it did, did seem to follow. Hey, I'm I'm enjoying watching these wrestling matches from a certain company. And then it, the matches would fall into place, um, but yeah, Sabin, uh, we had we had a really good chemistry uh, myself and Sabin, and uh, Carbon was in the match as well. And I just think uh, if I could get a singles match with him, I'd, that would uh, be very enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, what's that? Fourteen years. That was well. That was two thousand. Was whatever it was. Uh, two thousand thirteen. What would that be? Years. So, about twenty years now. You've been you've been wrestling, and uh, yeah. what have you what have you seen change in uh, the industry as a whole? Because when you said dark days is when you started, and then you would have went through the peak, which would have been what two thousand fourteen fifteen, and it's kind of leveled off a little bit. Um, so, what changes have you seen? Be it training, be it uh, camaraderie, be it the wrestling in general uh, over those years. Um, well, the standards all around have improved um, from the wrestling to the way shows are run. Um, you know what I mean? You, back in the early days, you wouldn't get shows with uh, first aiders. Um, so, yeah, it's just the, the, the standards all around have improved greatly. Um, and the training, uh, I know... As I say, I can only really speak for, for the training at Target, but um, it goes from like the days when we were taught literally the basics to we try to go as in-depth as possible. So we don't have uh, our trainees going in and not knowing what to do in certain circumstances. You have to be able to adapt. And if you're only taught one thing, you only know one way to go. So, um, yeah, the more the more information uh, people have, 
then hopefully the better people can be. Yeah, I, I can, that's definitely important, especially this level the year just passed as well. Information and, and even transparency is probably the most important thing uh, that, that needs to happen needs to happen or at least be promoted which uh, I haven't heard a bad word about Target I mean uh, Stephen Louch who I've had on before he's he's pretty much a, uh, he's, he's pretty much where I get my Target info and passion <laughs> from because I hear him just just uh, just going on about these shows I'm just thinking well they must do pretty well because he's coming all the way down from from wherever to actually to come to the shows so mm-hmm. it must be worth coming especially, back to um, your Polar promotions were um, a big reason for Target's success, I think. Um, so when uh, Stephen Louch started heading down, it was primarily to see the Polos, but then I don't think he kind of realised what the atmosphere was going to be like. <laughs> how, would, how would you describe the atmosphere of, of Target then? What, what would be its audience, that you, you, the core audience for it? Well, it's... You get a good mix at Target because you'll get a lot of families there, but you'll also get um, a lot of, say, 20-something-year-olds, even 30-year-olds that are going and and basically using it as a, as a pre-night out drinks. And they'll have a few drinks, watch the wrestling. And because, because we're based pretty much in the centre of Carlisle, um, they just they head out afterwards and have more drinks uh, uh, after afterwards. So it's uh, yeah, it's a good mix of of family and uh, over 18s. So yeah, it's, it's good. Great. I mean, that's, uh, from the the bits and pieces I've seen on YouTube, I've, I've watched some some matches and uh, shows where I can because I think you, some of them went on to to fight, didn't they? Fight yes, TV. Thank you. Um, it the the audience, I know they came about later, but the audience I could compare it to is like Discovery, uh, where it is kind of that, that there is there is kids about, but it's like a, a teen into adult audience as well. So there's no, everyone's having a good time, but nobody's paying for blood and swearing and, and just going a bit rowdy and stuff like that. They, they kind of keep it, they're, they're a wrestling crowd. They're coming to see wrestling. They're not coming to yeah, absolutely. make themselves the show. And I think that's... Um why I enjoy Discovery so much. Um, I think I fit well in there because it's the same sort of atmosphere. So, yeah, I, I, I very much think it's very similar to Discovery. I've, I've written down Discovery as one of my, my notes because, of course, you, you have have uh, made quite a few appearances uh, over the over the years in Discovery. Um, so, you've been... Oh, because you've been everywhere, but uh, you've been you've been in quite a few companies over the years. Is there any that stand out as, as being uh, particular ones that you'd want to either go back to or continue to work with? Um, be as the crowd mm-hmm. or the just the setup. Discovery. I'd like. Um, uh, I actually tweeted out the other day that I, I'd love to grow to be main eventer at Discovery. Um, I think I could. Uh, could uh, get over quite well. I'm I'm quite disliked up there, so <laughs> I think it would uh, work quite well. So when, when you actually started, what was it like like having to uh, play to the crowd? Because of course, I mean, your, your only prior experience would have been you and your brothers beating each other up, uh, and or uh, with them being also due to background. I'm assuming you got thrown around a lot. So of course, taking it from that, going uh, just played about in throwing yourself about to actually going in front of a crowd was there um, a lot of, of nerves to be yourself or just be the turned up or a different character what was it like um yeah it it was pretty nerve-wracking but um at the same time we were aware we had to do some of it if you know what i mean uh, we had to um work the crowd we had to to get the crowd on our side or in if we were heels or faces, um, but yeah, it, it still took uh, a long time before I kind of realised um, that was the priority. Um, the wrestling often comes second um, after after I worked that match with Paul London, um, and I, I eventually turned heel. 
Um, once that happened, I kind of realised um, the, the good matches then follow. I had spent a long time trying to have good matches. Um, and then you realise, oh, if I concentrate on the fans, the fans will get into it. The good match follows. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's kind of a, a strange way of thinking about it, but that's how it seemed to work. No, absolutely. I mean, when you break it down, when you think about, say, Hulk Hogan matches or what have you, if you watch them on mute or with no crowd, they're awful. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> they're, just, they're not good. They're just uh, just nothing. But when you have the electricity of a crowd, that's why now, just now, with like WWE and their Thunderdome and what have you, it's so weird to, to watch it without a crowd because they don't have anyone to feed off of. So they're just assuming yeah. what they're doing yeah. is correct. Um, which really separates the men from the boys when it come, when you can clearly see that as well. So, yeah, you're you're very much disliked at Target. Uh, I've even got the nice T-shirt saying, I hate wrestling fans, which, you know, hits me on the head very well. Um, so, so do you find it that role a lot uh, more comfortable uh, as, as opposed to coming out and clapping your hands going, come on, guys, uh, you could just kind of just not ignore yeah. them, but let them it's, in, it's, but ignore them. It's a it's a, a lot more natural, um, like my um, my general appearance, um, my face will look pretty miserable even if I'm happy. So if I'm if I'm going out there and I, I'm getting booed, it, it looks like I'm really uh, not enjoying myself, and then that obviously gets the fans more into it. So yeah, it's a bit. It's it's rather easier for me to to be a heel in a face, but um, yeah, it's fun. I, th- I think the the term because I have the exact same issue is resting bitch face, and I just <laughs> yeah. I look at pictures in the past in the past or even recently, and I go, I was smiling in that picture. <laughs> My face does not say that at all. It just I look miserable as sin. Um, so yeah, so. You've done quite well in Target. Uh, as for my research goes, triple crown winner. You won the, the heavyweight, yep. the high octane, the tag team championships as well. Uh, so pop Target aside, so triple crown winner of that. Let's go to let's go to what you're doing just now uh, because there's no wrestling happening. And when this goes out in February, I'm still pretty certain there'll be no wrestling happening. So a couple of things you've done. Uh, we've got three bullet points here. We'll start with Pro Wrestling Unity. So of course, which I'm, I'm, I am supporting the t-shirt of during this, this uh, little podcast. Um, of course, everything went away in June when uh, Speaking Out happened. So we won't delve too much into Speaking Out because, you know, it's a sad subject and we want to keep this kind of upbeat. Uh, and then Pro Wrestling Unity kind of came from there. So what was... Um, the reasons behind it beginning. Uh, let's talk about that. Well, initially, uh, it, yeah, I had the idea before speaking out came around because I know when when I've been sharing posts and uh, my, like, if I have a highlight video or uh, an upcoming match graphic, um, you can only share so much of your own stuff. And I, I like to, if I see like one of my friends has a highlight video, I'll share that. Um, and the idea behind Wrestling Unity was um, help more, get more eyes on everybody. Um, and then obviously when Speaking Out happened, I kind of felt that we needed uh, more help to show that there is still good in the business. Um, and it, as I say, it literally takes a second for somebody to retweet um, or share somebody's anything, whether it's whether it's a, a wrestler or a promotion or a podcast or merchandise. It's the more people that we can help, the better. Um, yes, we do sell T-shirts, but that's secondary to our aim. Our aim is to to kind of just help as much of uh, wrestling as we can. 
kind of breed some positivity because I mean ourselves I mean I've got a t-shirt store uh, if anyone wants to go check that out uh, but yeah again that, that is I'm exactly boat is secondary what what I do we do is just promote Scottish wrestling so um, we're, we're quite we're similar in that respect where we just want to just put out some good stuff and good news yeah. and and because the more that people more eyes on anything means that people get their their merch sold they buy tickets to the next show because they saw that guy on twitter and uh it, it all it all works it's, it's, that's how it's supposed and, to work and it's not just um one of the issues that you'll find is um you'll get wrestling fans um see wrestling things and sometimes uh it's the general public that's a better audience they're the ones that we need to to bring in. Um, so, say somebody else that isn't uh, a wrestling fan that follows you on Twitter and sees you share something, you've potentially got a new customer, whether it's to the show or whatever. Um, so, yeah, the more people, wrestling fans or general public see stuff, the, the bigger and better wrestling can be. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's what social media should be used for, uh, <laughs> not just the old negative stuff, which just uh, goes through our timelines every day. Uh, but speaking of positivity, though, uh, you're also offering feedback. I mean, 20 years in wrestling, uh, you must have some some thoughts on, on how how to do it, because, of course, you're still doing it after 20 years. Uh, so you're offering feedback to, to wrestlers just to give them a little bit of tips and hints and tips and pointers um again was that just just because of lockdown nothing to do you thought i'll just pass on some i I love uh teaching wrestling um i I like to think that i i can help people see things that uh, others can't because i've had uh various wrestlers point things out to me just maybe say I work a match with a top name they might pop, pop, uh, put something to me that's a different point of view that I hadn't thought of um, but then a month later I could work with somebody with a different style who will see something different again so I think because of the range of wrestlers that I've worked with um, I've kind of picked up a lot of little things that often get overlooked um, and you know, like I still want my work critiqued every wrestler should be wanting to improve um, and if if your trainer doesn't point something out it doesn't mean that it's not an issue it's just your trainer hasn't noticed it or isn't aware of it himself so the more people can kind of give you ideas the, the better you can kind of even mentally prepare yourself to to possibly improve. Um, I always tell the people that I've done it with, they they can take away whatever it is they want from what I've given them um, because you're not always going to agree. Um, I know um, I've had feedback from a wrestler watching one of my matches and to be honest, we didn't agree with what he said, but we just kind of went, thank you, and took it on board. Didn't, as I said, didn't really agree with it, but it's now there. It's now, okay, well, what if we did do that? It, it gives gives more ideas to what you can do. Um, so, yeah, it's like, it's it's fun for me to, to, to help people. So, yeah, I just want to help. <laughs> I mean, pro wrestling, like you say, you're, you're pretty much saying it. it's subjective I mean I could watch uh, someone could watch a match where they think it's the best match ever and I'll watch it and go ah. but I mean when I do reviews when I was doing reviews when there was shows actually to watch I would always try and make it as constructive if I was going to say something oh, I didn't like this but I mean I, 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 I'm just again I'm just a spectator for it but like I watched uh some guys in UPW when they came up to up this end, Bucky and all that kind of places. Yeah. And there was a guy 
Um, I'll just say his name because he doesn't wrestle anymore, but it was Chris Lamb. And the first few times I watched him, he was hunched. And all I said in my reviews was, if he pulls his shoulders up, that's it. That's all you need. Last yeah. match I saw him, pulled his, sh- his shoulders were up. He looked like a, he looked like a wrestler at that point. And, and then the show, then the actual promotion went away and he stopped wrestling. So... We waste time at that point, but but it was just like that's it. Just just one little thing, little bit of detail, and that can make a big difference. Exactly. I mean, when you go out to to wrestle, you're in front of everyone. You're in front of kids who just want to see some wrestling. Uh, You're in front of of uh, adults who may have just taken their kids, and then you're in front of of me who watches too much wrestling and uh, likes details and likes little logics, likes little stories and logic and. If you went out there and the first thing you did was kick the guy in the knee, I'm expecting you to work that knee. So that's that's just my little thing uh, when, when I watch shows. Um, but yeah, speaking about your, your... I went through that list and, like I say, Variety, Doug Williams, technical wrestler, he'll try and twist and turn you and, and work on and joints and what have you. And Angelico, who will dive at you. So you've definitely got a, a, a fair roster of brains that you've been able to pick up, uh, pick apart over the years. Um, with that, is that pretty much what you do when you get these guys? So you just, just after the match, just go, right, what can I do? What did we do yeah. there? Um, and it's kind of being able to um, evolve your character to work with them. Uh, I, I like to think that... Um, my character's going to get over and the wrestling um, will fit. So it'll look like, uh, say, an, an, an Helico match, but you'll be more than aware that it's a shady match as well. Mm. So it's trying to kind of... My thing that I like to do is try and still fit it into a shady match because um, you'll find a lot of imports. You'll go, okay, well... Uh, Oh, he's going to have, as I say, say somebody like Angelico. We know what we're going to get from his match. But if you get your own character over as well, it kind of helps. As Like I said earlier, it helps the match improve because both people are going to look good. So, yeah, it's trying to kind of pick how, how I can fit my character in uh, with these big names. And yeah, I kind of think it's it's worked so far. <laughs> and you're the guy that that's coming back, so you've got to. If, if someone goes to the show and sees on Helco match with you, and it's all flippy doos and and everything, and then they go right, I need yeah. to say that shady shady guy next month. They go back, and you're not doing any of that. They'll be like, oh, well, this that is was, it's not what I can see. My, uh, my biggest uh, problem I had with my Al Snow match, um, well. First of all, Al Snow was like my favourite wrestler by the mid, like late nineties. I was a massive Al Snow fan, so I was already like well, well nervous uh, hearing the stories about him as well and how he was on tough enough and things. Um, and uh, as when it came to planning the match, he said, uh, "You can call any move you want in the ring. We might not do it." <laughs> oh. <laughs> no pressure. So then, uh, at the time, the time I was a face, and we got in the ring, and then uh, the, the ref had went to Al, and he came over. The ref came back to me, and the ref says, uh, "He says you're a heel now." And I kind of went, "Oh, <laughs> how am I going to do this? Because I've got to come back next month as a as the baby face." <laughs> um, so. It worked. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I just kind of tweaked what I was doing and made myself a bit more aggressive rather than cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we we got it to work. But uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, a bit of a weird one, especially if, if especially that. I mean, that that should. I mean, I'll, 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 we won't say anything bad about Arsenal because yeah, it is a terrifying human. But uh, yeah, it's that. Yeah, you got to think if you're the guy that's that's coming back, then you've got to kind of stick with what you do. I don't know. That weird. Uh, but yeah, speak, I mean, speaking of that that roster again, Kaylee Ray being one, one of the matches, uh, one of the matches you've had. Um, we're not going to go for like the whole gender thing, but 
did, did you have to mix up any of your style? Did you have to do anything differently because you're facing Kaylee? Because she's just she's one of the best anyway. So it's no, not, just, um, um, it was it was an easy match. Uh, it was it was fun. It was yeah, it was good. There was no um, the whole intergender thing is only an issue if you make yeah, an issue. Um, so yeah, it was it wasn't really much different to a normal one of my matches. Absolutely. Uh, cool. Uh, we've got uh, Jay Lethal there. We'll go to Jay Lethal because that's that's uh, quite a big one because you faced him for the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship or World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, again, yeah. you, you spoke about your, your, your being anxious about going into matches with Sabin and Paul London because these are guys that are just guys you've watched. But the fact that you're going in with Jay Lethal with a title on the line that a company that you watched uh, when you were yeah. when you were growing up, how weird was that? And again, how how did you get to it? Get through it? It was uh, yeah, it was very weird. Um, but yeah, the I mean, I, it's it's where I want to be. It's I want to be at that level where I do get in a position with people that good. Um, luckily, it was there was no no major nerves anyway. Um, and it was, we actually worked at a, as a title versus title match. Um, and yeah, it, it all worked really well. Um, apart from what we had planned for the finish, um, Jay actually threw one of the titles out the ring, which we were going to be used for the finish. So it was meant to be in place in the ring. And he was like, I've thrown the belt out. Luckily, we had the second belt we could use and kind of on on the fly just quickly put that into play as if uh, as if we meant to do it the whole time <laughs> well that's, that's the best thing about SIA is again we've said it's a subject and all that but it is a performance art at the end of the day so you can make tweaks and changes mid-match it's not a set script you're not like going out beforehand and going right here's my my list of moves I have to do in this order and I cannot change it from there um, do you ever find that that do you ever have that moment where you're in there and going, I got nothing and just just blank or have you done that long now where it's just kind of a bit second nature to you? Um, yeah, it's kind of second nature to us, and uh, luckily, uh, I've kind of fine tuned what I do, so I'm kind of already I know where where I've got to be, what I've got to do. Um, if you if you watch one of my matches, um, I'm not always a big um, move doer. <laughs> um, I have I have my handful of moves, and the rest we kind of work together to to raise the match rather than uh, do all the cool moves. We'll still add the cool moves in when we need to, but yeah, it's uh, luckily I've kind of as I say fine tuned what I need to do. I mean, that's the key for still doing it after 20 years, I suppose. It's, it's kind of keeping it safe. <laughs> safe and, and having a, a nice a series of moves you know you can do really well and do them really well. Uh, is it, have you been fairly injury-free or has it had any knocks or, or scrapes along the way? Oh, um, I'm pretty much held together by tape these days. Um, I've, I've both, both my shoulders um, are pretty banged up and uh like rotator cuff injuries and uh both my ankles have very little uh, ligaments left in them uh back aches every day <laughs> yeah do you know I mean in real life I've got three kids as well so um <laughs> keeping uh, keeping up is uh, pretty hard work nowadays Here's me sitting here thinking, oh, I'll never do wrestling because I, I broke my elbow in three places and it doesn't sit right. I'm thinking, you know, when I hear that, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not that bad <laughs> in, in second thoughts. Um, so we'll move on to your, your pro wrestling is real life. So again, lockdowns happened. Nothing's happening. Uh, you're giving feedback to, to wrestlers. Um, you're promoting positivity through pro wrestling unity. So with three kids as well, you think, right, what else can I do? YouTube series. So again, it was just it was just kind of going through your old matches and just thinking, oh, I can do something with this or just keep yourself busy. What was your thought behind that? Um, 
yeah, it was it was a way of sharing my previous matches, but done in a way that wasn't just a case of me posting a link. Hey, this is the match that I've shared six months ago. It's trying to add a little bit extra to it, um, a little bit of talking beforehand, and then afterwards I kind of try and add a little plug for somebody that's, as I say, the same same thing that I do with Press and Unity. It's um, just trying, as I say, trying to help people where I can. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's just a, a fresh way of putting out old footage, really. I mean, there's some some matches uh, through there that like like Iceman, which is a um, a name that may not may not have heard of for a very long time. Against yeah. names I've heard of just in passing, uh, but you've you've got a fair. I mean, as I back that list, you've got a back catalogue a mile long of of wrestlers from abroad and from the UK that that uh, you've. I'm sure you've got some sort of footage of, uh, whether it be in yeah. a very grainy. Nokia <laughs> camera or or something a bit more high def now. Um, what would be your maybe not one favorite match because again huge list. Uh, but who would be your favorite opponents that you've had? Say if I have five or something like that uh, over the years. Um, Paul London, uh, as I say, kind of changed how I seen wrestling. Um, and the second match that we had when he was a mystery opponent. And the, the reaction he got when he came out and then he beat me for the high octane title um, was the, the, yeah, the reaction was off the chart. Um, and we'd been telling the story over months, my whole, my whole high octane title reign. I'd um, say I'd, I'd win by, uh, I got DQ'd. So I kept the title or, the ref, the ref would take a bump, and then I'd, I'd hit the my opponent with the belt, and then get a cheap finish. Um, but by the time it came to the match with uh, Paul, I tried all the old tactics, and they never worked. So then he finally got the win, um, and yeah, people kind of went a bit insane for it. So it was, uh, we couldn't have asked for a better reaction. That's the kind um, of long term storytelling I like because I mean I, I watch WrestleZone up here. That's that's my whole promotion and they have that kind of thing they they uh they reward like target does they reward past people that come past crowds to to give that massive reaction um so yeah is, is that on youtube possibly that i could go check that out it will be it will, will be. be i'll keep an eye out for the pro wrestlers real life series anyway so paul London, number one of your opponents uh who else um shane strickland uh is I guess Swerve Scott as he is in uh, NXT now. Um, we just had a great chemistry. It, it just kind of worked, and then the match that we had was yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, um, and a lot of I don't think a lot of the target audience at the time knew who he was. So to then um, see him and us have this match, people kind of went. Oh yeah, we need to keep an eye on him. So yeah, it was. Yeah, I I enjoyed that. Um, I'd also say Chris Sabin, as I said before. Um, I thought we had a really good chemistry. Um, I'd say Josh Terry. Uh, he's one of my favourite opponents. I think we work really well. Him being a clean cut baby face with with all the fancy moves, uh, going against my straight uh, miserable character <laughs> um and yeah that that's always always a match i enjoy um i'd also say um maybe jeff cobb jeff jeff cobb was a really easy match um as far as yeah it was just uh, other than getting thrown across the ring um yeah it was uh, it was fun <laughs> I was about to say your first four that you gave me were all high flyers, so you'd end up you were the, the base for them, uh, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So you're able to you were throwing them about, and then you throw in yeah. Jeff Cobb right at the end. So uh, I mean, you like wrestling, just you just like wrestling. But do you find working with with guys that are that are high flyers like your Paul London that you just find that suits 
opposing you a bit better than yeah. than facing a big guy who could throw you about. Yeah, I I enjoy I enjoy as you say being the base and um yeah that's that's the kind of style that if if it was uh, up to me just enjoying my matches rather than putting on a show it would probably be them sort of matches that I'd be doing but um yeah as like as I said uh, Jeff Cobb uh, I didn't quite realize how strong he was until uh, uh we we were in the match <laughs> He, he is he is a beast of a man just from from watching on on TV just incredible um so again with target there's been quite a lot of I get like, this is the list of names that you face but it'd be guys like abyss coming through target and and that so you said your brother Jay runs it uh who's one of the owners for it so do you, do you, do you kind of come together and think these are guys that target would like to see or uh is it a case of just just find finding guys for your guys to face how what, what's the thoughts that go into booking these these it, uh American talents it's a, bit, it's a bit of everything it's a bit of okay well who would people want to see um who's available um because sometimes it's it is just a case of this wrestlers in the country um why, why not get him on our show as well um and as you say, like who'll go well with one of our guys? So yeah, like some of our trainees have gone up with Too Cool, uh, Raven, Blue Meanie, um, and all done really well. MJF even was on with uh, a couple of our lads. So yeah, they've uh, they've all kind of done done their part when they've uh, been given the big matches. So. We're, we're very proud of the trainees that have come through. Well, that's a perfect segue to one of the fan questions I got was uh, from, oh, I do not know how to begin to pronounce that name, uh, Care Luell. Uh, Apologise if I got that wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's a question for Shade Natchez on the podcast. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, being a mainstay in Target Wrestling, is there any young wrestlers or trainees that he feels could make an impact on the British wrestling scene in 2021? Um. The three standout ones at Target are Chris Kendall, uh, Luke Ross, and Owen Michaels. Uh, yeah, I think them three could have a big year next year. Um, totally, totally different. The each of them have their own style, but yeah, I think they'll all all have big years this year. Oh, yeah, we're on, we're in twenty one now. <laughs> I know it's just well, it'll take a couple of days to get used to it. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, by the time we get used to it, it'll be twenty twenty two, because we'll we'll probably still be, I'll still be in quarantine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I when I first started covering Target for, I did the results for Wrestle Ropes, and then eventually, I do your your like your Scottish shows. Um, so because you're right on that border. Uh, yeah. Carlisle, so I'll pick up Lockerbie and Dumfries and that for for our site. Um, I love that that Chris Kendall and and uh, and and I've told told like my name his name there. You just said it, but I love that her yeah. tag team name is Chris Cross. And yeah. I was not old enough to be there for Chris Cross, but all I've got in my head is, did they come out to jump? <laughs> no, luckily they never. I think oh. I think it went over a few people's heads, <laughs> including my head. Because <laughs> I, I, I said never, never actually saw wrestle, but as soon as I saw the name, I thought, oh, I think I had to jump. I am um, just, I might just. Uh, <laughs> might, might love a tag team I've never seen <laughs> with that just that alone. Um, yeah, so. Is there anyone else in the UK that you find that it's kind of caught your eye? I mean, you did the feedback for, for a lot of guys like uh, um, is it Ian Skinner, I think you did as well, yeah. uh, Omar Mohammed. So is there any guys that you've, or girls, of course, inclusive, uh, that you've spotted that think, well, they might might make something of themselves this year or next? Yeah, I think I think Ian Skinner could have a good year. Um, as I say, it kind of depends um, how our... Uh, Shows get back on, onto uh, being allowed to run. Um, if if we can get some shows in the, in the UK, and uh, these wrestlers can get a few matches under the belt, I think they'll uh, they'll keep progressing really well. 
Um, and as far as opponents, I mean, you, you, did, you did a couple of lists on Twitter, uh, I saw. Um, is there any, any opponents that you particularly want to get in the ring with once the show's return uh, in this year or next? Uh, I finally want to get in the ring with uh, Shah Samuels. Um, I think that one would go down well in their target. But yeah. He's, he's, have, you seen, have you seen him at the moment with his uh, weight loss and, and trimming? Yeah, he's, he's, he's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, his uh, salt's not going to look as, as terrifying <laughs> at this rate. He'll float away. Uh, just, it's just looking incredible. But uh, yeah, so Shah, I've, I've only had the pleasure of seeing Shah wrestle twice. I was about to say once, but I've actually seen him twice. Um, yeah, he's, he's one of those big, loud characters. And I think if, if he comes against you, your sully, uh, <laughs> grim faced, uh, just just yeah. surly. That's the word, not sully. That's a character in Monsters Inc. <laughs> uh, surly, a character. I think it would work, work quite well um, from that. Um, I don't know why I had him ahead. If you faced Rampage Brown, or I know he's come through Target yeah. before. I have I have worked Rampage a couple of times at is Target. He, is he one of those like like Jeff Cobb? You enjoyed, but you'd rather not get thrown <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, Ramp- Rampage is awesome and I know I know a lot of people are negative about NXT UK but um, I think it's it's good for him that he's uh, got in there. Uh, so he seems like a guy who would fit there. My, my only issue, I mean, he said a lot of negative things about NXT UK. My only issue, it needs characters. It's got yeah. great wrestlers but it doesn't have characters. So, yeah. my Top of my head, again, Target Wrestling, former Target Wrestling champion, Grado. That's my example that comes off my head. Not the best wrestler, he'll say himself, but he's a fantastic character. So that, that's what NXT UK needs. It needs, to, yeah. just, it needs someone to go, right, I'm here to entertain you. I'm not here to do all this British it's, wrestling stuff. It's, it's, all, it's all well and good having uh, five matches of ten good wrestlers, but if they're all essentially the same good wrestler no one stands out just just by being good isn't always enough so yeah you kind of need to as you say need to stand out a bit absolutely I mean I think I think World of Sport Wrestling had it right for the characters they had but yeah. they just did not shoot the show as no. a wrestling show but they don't know how to because we're watching Britain's Got Talent and they don't know how <laughs> yeah. to shoot dancers so what a chance are they going to have doing wrestling if they can't if they can't show dancers dancing properly it just blows my mind um but yeah so we've covered a little bit here i'm sure that if we started going through again this list this long list of names um we, we'd have about a few hours of stories uh, but is there any, any spring to mind any opponents that are particular highlight matches i mean you said paul london and, and shane strickland but any matches that you went in thinking well, I'm not sure how this is going to go, and it came out either worse than you imagined or incredible. Um, um, one one match which kind of could have went either way was uh, a four way between myself, Carbon, uh, Wild Boar, and Mike Bailey, um, and it just seemed to work really well and. Uh, people reacted uh, like because we did some fairly silly four-way fast-paced spots with lots of dives and uh, Mike Bailey's brutal kicks and Wild Boar being uh, being the animal he is. Yeah, it just it ended up working really well. So we read that when you said that out loud. I was like, that's a mix and a half just just from that. <laughs> The names that you put out there so sometimes that, that actually makes wrestling the better when it is so different uh when, when you go in with uh i mean i was gonna say a bit a, a high flyer against a, a massive guy like a creator or something like that but i mean that's just that's just wrestling that's david versus Goliath. but um yeah when, when stuff like that uh, yeah quite quite a mix quite eclectic mix there um so what, what are your goals coming into to no, maybe not next. Maybe not this year because you know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. But next year, NXT UK touring Europe, getting to America. What would be your your goals? Yeah, I, I just I kind of want to just get as far as possible. Um, 
you know what I mean? I, I, I love wrestling. Uh, if if I get any opportunities, I can get wrestling. I, I want to be be doing them, uh, whether it's as you say NXT UK um, or traveling anywhere. Um, I'm all for any uh, new companies and things, and hopefully uh, by this time we've got some shows lined up um, because on paper I've already got some some new companies lined up that I'm going to be working for. So hopefully um, shows are back uh, up and running again and uh, hopefully by then we've been announced as well. So Fingers crossed. I mean, like I said, it's supposed to come out just middle February-ish. So hopefully there'll be some sort of... Uh some sort of announcement, what, what can and can't yeah, do. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be positive, but um, yeah, I kind of got to see how it goes. Would you consider, like, with we've seen companies doing uh, no crowd shows, is that something you'd, you'd think, if, if it was safe to do so, would that be considered, or you just want to kind of, when you get out there, it has to be in front of a crowd? I don't, I don't know. The, the way that um, this whole virus has been I don't know what's safe and what isn't, to be honest. So I, if uh, if offers became uh, available, they, they'd definitely all be uh, considered. Excellent. So uh, as far as venues go, because I didn't ask that when I was doing target wrestling section, uh, what, what uh, venues have you enjoyed wrestling? Uh, either intimate, biggest, crowd, just wild. What, what's been your favourite venues, venues wrestling? Um, the... What was the home of Target Wrestling, which was called the Venue in Carlisle? That was uh, that's one of my favourites. It was just, uh, as I say, just like a rowdy crowd who who were into everything, regardless of uh, if it was uh, somebody they hadn't seen before, a different style. They uh, they were kind of into everything, so that was uh, that always made. A fun crowd. If if you can hear the noise on the first match, by the time it comes to your match, you're kind of uh, ready for the reactions. Um, I, I enjoy the jam. Well, enjoyed the jam house at Discovery as well. That was always uh, a fun one. Um, and and like you mentioned Lockerbie earlier, um, they were never the biggest crowds at the Lockerbie shows in for Target, but um, it was one of those venues, really really small. Um, but yeah, it was it was always a fun, uh, more family orientated show. But um, yeah, I always enjoyed them shows. When uh, when you can when you can uh, peer through the curtain and kind of uh, as a heel uh, know where you're going to aim your abuse, you, <laughs> you 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 kind of know you're in for a good one. As soon as you said, I thought, do you pick someone to to kind of focus? <laughs> Because I've seen I've seen heels do it, and it just makes me laugh every time. Because it's so easy, but so effective. If you pick a like a child or a or a parent, as soon as you go out and think, right, I'm going to just make sure you're my target through this whole night. Um, is, is that okay? You start, or you just more of a case of just play it by ear when you get out there. If you're not on first, and you get to have a have a look, um, and you can you can kind of see which ones are making the noise. You kind of have. That's your, your easy target. Um, but yeah, um, I kind of just uh, see go out there, see how it goes. Uh, as you say, you kind of pick up um, who who is making the noise and you can kind of aim it that way. So. Excellent. So um, I think we can wrap up there because there's been, again, so many uh, things that we've went through there. Uh, before you go, because I'm actually going to make a concentrated effort to ask this question this year, uh, what's your favourite dinosaur? Um, probably an Ankylosaurus. Is that is that because your ankles themselves aren't what they used to be? <laughs> yeah, <big>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I always remember as a kid, I always thought they looked quite cool with the, with the big uh, tail, with the the ball on the end and the, in the hard shell. Ah, no, yeah. I know we're on about now. It wasn't always an obvious choice for people's favourite dinosaurs, but I, I like them. I, know, I, I started the segment just out of, well, someone asked me to ask someone a question. This it was Kevin, Kevin Williams uh, asked me to, to ask people this, and I was like, 
Yeah, that's a great idea. And what I really should have done was start looking at what di- what dinosaurs were which, because people are throwing out ones that I'm going, you've made that one up. That one's not a real dinosaur. And then they sent me links after us going, see? <laughs> All right, okay. Jeez. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Ankylosaurus, one of the big ball. Uh, okay, so perfect. Well, thank you for joining me on uh, the first 2021 edition of, of the SWM podcast. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Um, at Shady Nattress on uh, Twitter and if you're on Facebook facebook.com forward slash Shady Nattress and also at Wrestling Unity on Twitter and Project Wrestling Unity on Facebook Excellent, well thank you for And if you're on on YouTube give uh, Pro Wrestling is Real Life a a check out I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll, retweet it anyway so I'm sure we'll, we'll throw in some links somewhere, people will be able to find it but yeah, thank you very much for joining us no problem. Thanks for having me.